Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, what a great day to be able to come and worship the Lord together. We have been working our way through the book of Ephesians, and one of my goals for our church, for you, for me, is that the Bible becomes part of life. It becomes integrated with life. That the Bible is not just a, a theoretical book of, of past proverbs, that the Bible interacts with where we are at today. And today, as we get into it again, this is no exception. It's going to interact with your life, and it's going to convict you on some things today, I believe. Not that I am trying to convict you, but the Word of God is powerful and has the ability to to convict us and show us our heart, really reflect to us where we're at. The book of Ephesians, as you've heard me say time after time after time, is divided into those three sections, sitting, walking, and standing. Sitting is learning how do I sit and receive and rest in the Lord? How do I understand who I am, what my identity is, how he has made me to be? Now, we have gotten into the section on walking. That is living out this faith in this life. How do I walk this out in my everyday life? Today is actually the last of the section of walking. And then we're going to learn how to stand. But we're not going to start that until our fall kickoff, where we're going to spend six weeks looking at spiritual warfare and the battle battle that we are in in this world in the today and in the now. Um, the section of walking, the whole context of it is based upon Ephesians 4.1. Paul says, therefore, because you learn to sit, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. What is that going to look like? Well, you're going to be humble and gentle and patient, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And that's what it means to walk. Walking out and living out this life is a life that has changed, walking differently than you ever did before. With those things, humility, gentleness, patience, putting up with one another in love. In this section on walking, Paul has addressed our lives. He's looked at our lives, how the church operates. He's looked at how we deal with our own selves, dealing with our anger and dealing with taking off the old self and putting on a new self, dealing with lying, dealing with what we are supposed to be in life. And then he got into this little subsection on relationships. We've been looking at this section, this four-part piece of this, on orderly relationships. What God is saying when it comes to your marriage, what he says when it comes to your, your parenting, and what he says when it comes today as we deal with the next topic, which is understanding what work relationships are going to be like. Let's read it together. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, and then we'll pray as we begin. Here's what Paul writes next. 
He says, slaves, obey your human masters with respect and reverence, with sincerity of heart, as you would the Messiah. Not just under your master's eye as people pleasers, but as slaves of Messiah doing God's will from the soul. Serve with a positive attitude as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters... Treat your slaves in the same way. Stop using threats, knowing that the master of them and of you too is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let's talk today about work relationships. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, help us to understand what you have said, and Lord, I believe this is going to be challenging. I believe it's going to convict us no matter where we are at in life today. This is going to bring some conviction of how we are approaching our work. Maybe it's not just work. Maybe it's a student in here that goes to school, how we're approaching school and our teachers and principals. Maybe it's athletes and how they relate to coaches and referees and umpires. Lord, whether it's, it's somebody who has a job currently or will have a job in the future or is working not in a, in a paid position but in a volunteer capacity, Lord, this has the ability to convict us, show us the attitudes that we need and the focus we need as we approach work. Lord, bless this time. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know. You can maybe even feel the conviction already beginning to build as we have the title Work Relationships. I know that most everyone in here either has a job, has had a job, or will possibly have a job in the future. Everybody, that, that pretty much describes everybody in this room here today. You have a job, you've had a job, you will have a job in the future. If you had a job and you don't have one today, you still have jobs that they're just volunteer. They're just not being paid. But you still have jobs that you are doing. If you have never had a job, maybe you are a student today. This applies to you because of how you're going to approach your teachers and the principals and the people that you're going to relate to. Paul has a lot to say when it comes to the work relationships that we have. Now, this little section is all built upon the phrase that Paul gives us in chapter 5, verse 21, which says this. It says, and also, he says, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Jesus. What is the word submit? Now, remember, that means to come underneath. The word submit is you have two people, and those two people are there not to lord over each other and control each other. They are there to come underneath and to serve one another. This is the word submit. It is a military term meaning to rank underneath. See yourself as of lower rank to another person. You're here to serve. In particular, what does he say about all of this? Well, he first describes what marriage is. Marriage, husbands and wives, you serve each other. Then he says, parents and children, I want you to surrender to and submit to one another. And now he will use this idea of slaves and masters. I want you to serve and submit to one another. What I want you to notice, though, is this, that Paul does something radical 
radical in this letter. In the day that Paul is writing this, wives had no status whatsoever. Women had no status in the culture, but he was valuing them and saying, you are of value and husbands need to submit to you and serve you and love you. Children in that day had no status in the culture. They were basically less than. They didn't have a say, but parents, I want you to love your children the right way and submit to them. And now... He addresses slaves. And in that day, slaves had no value. They had no meaning. They had no status in the culture. Yet masters, I want you to treat them well, and I want you to submit yourselves to them. Let's walk through this and see what Paul has to say. He starts the whole thing with this first word. He says, slaves. And I want to stop right there for just a second and give you just a little bit of a, of, of a word about slavery in that culture. We have seen Paul say that in the Christian home, there's instructions to husbands, wives, parents, and children, but slaves and masters were also part of the ancient household. Slaves would live in the household with the family that was there. It is estimated that in the time of Paul writing this, that there were approximately 60 million slaves in that day. That accounted for, at that time, half of the population. One half of the population was in slavery at the time that Paul was writing this. Despite what some groups today want us to believe, slavery did not originate in the United States. It has been a part of the world since the beginning. Since the time that Paul is writing this, half of the world was in slavery. We cannot ignore that. We can't ignore the fact that it was there and part of the world. Now, slaves in that day... Their entire purpose was to work in the household. They were nothing more than a tool in the household. They were, they were animate work objects, but they were animate tools, but they were still tools in the home. What Paul said to them was addressing the very heart of their existence. Now, Paul did not get in here and start condemning the institution of slavery. That was not the goal that Paul had. A lot of people are upset at that because he didn't condemn the institution. But radical change happens over time. Paul was not condemning it, but he was turning it upside down and he was addressing it. Do you know that because of the Bible, that's the emphasis of why slavery did stop? Because in the Bible, it communicates that every person has value. They have an inherent sense of value and importance. And because of that, that's where the concepts of fighting against oppression and slavery happened. It happened because of the Bible. There were some verses in the Bible such as these, Colossians 3.11. Here, the, Paul writes this, Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. In Galatians 3.28, Paul says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female, for you are all one, in Christ Jesus. 
so the emphasis would be on in the future fighting against this but Paul's main concept was that people need to change their attitude and thinking when it comes to this situation there was a book that was written by a guy who is not a Christian. He was a French philosopher. His name was Luke Ferry. And he wrote this statement about Christianity in his book called A Brief History of Thought. He said this, Christianity was to introduce the notion that humanity was fundamentally identical, that men were equal in dignity. That was an unprecedented idea at the time. This may seem self-evident to us, but it was literally unheard of at the time, and it turned an entire world order upside down. So even though Paul doesn't come out and slay, this is sinful, his attitude and approach was the emphasis to change everything in the culture about slavery. Now, we know that it's wrong. We know that there's no room for this. In the Bible, there's no room for for sexism or racism. That's not a part of what the Bible says because all people have dignity and value. And that's what he's going to do. He is going to address the idea of slavery and how you treat one another. So that's just a thought. That's just a, an idea on the idea of slavery. But but how should we approach it today? Now, this section that we're going to look at today is not really about slavery for us. It's about work. How do I approach work? What should my attitude be toward work? Again, as I mentioned earlier, we all have jobs, or you've had a job, or you will have a job. Having a job is a good thing. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. The problem is that sometimes work can feel like a burden. How many of you would rather never have to go to work again? Just a quick show of hands. You would like to be financially independent and never have to work another day in your life. How many would like that? You're not honest if you're, if you're not raising your hand. I think we would all like that. Thank you. At least one honest person in here. We would all like to say, you know what? I don't work. I don't have to work. I'm not going to go to work. Some of you have to work tomorrow and you're already dreading it. You, you may hate your job. You may be so disgusted with the people that you work with, the kind of work that you do, the boss that you have, that you are just dreading it and you don't want to go to work tomorrow. But how should we approach work? Well, Paul, in this section, gives us four things that we should really have as we approach work. Now, whether your work is, I, I'm a student, whether your work is, I have a job, your work is, I'm retired, but I volunteer. Whatever your work is, four things today that we can learn from Paul about how we approach work in our lives. As a Christian, your attitude toward work is different because, number one, there is a changed heart. That's why it's different. Because if you are a follower of Christ and you say, I have accepted him into my life, as you go to work, there is a changed heart in you as you approach work. Let's look at what Paul said. Slaves, obey your human masters with respect and reverence, with sincerity of heart. Now let's, let's just cross out the word slaves 
and cross out the word masters, and let's just write in here some different words. Let's write, um, let's write workers, and we'll write boss. Or we could say employees and employers. Or we could say business owner. That would apply. So business owner. All right, if you can read my writing. So maybe it's workers and your boss. Or, as I've mentioned, maybe you're a student. And it would be student to your teachers or your principal. Maybe it is athlete to the coach. Or maybe it's athlete to the ref, the referee, or the umpire. All of these would apply. So let's take it like this. Workers, obey your boss with respect and reverence, with sincerity of heart. Employees, obey your employers with respect and reverence, with sincerity of heart. Student, obey your teachers. Obey the principal with respect and reverence, with sincerity of heart. Athlete, respect your coach with sincerity of heart. Athletes, respect the umpire who made a terrible call with respect, reverence, and sincerity of heart. That last one really hits me because my kids grew up playing sports. Now, I'm almost to the point where all of my kids have, have finished out school. We're, we're getting closer. We've got six kids, and four of them have already graduated and out of the house. And I remember so vividly being at different sporting events, especially basketball, it seemed like, or baseball, where parents were erupting on the stands because of bad calls. You ever been there? You ever been one of those parents who did that? They made a bad call. That's a foul. How could you not call that as a foul? That's not a foul. How could you possibly call it as a foul? That's not a strike. How could you possibly call it as a strike? I've seen kids from their parents learn this idea of outrage where they throw the bat down and start arguing with the umpire because they called it as a strike or because they called them out when they weren't really out. Well, that goes against the concepts of the Bible. If you're a worker, if you're an employee, if you're a student, if you're an athlete, you show respect and reverence to anybody that you are in relationship with. Respect, reverence, sincerity of heart. When's the last time that you determined with your boss that you were going to show that person respect, reverence, with sincerity of heart? Now, you may be saying to me, well, you don't know my boss. My boss is such a jerk. I cannot stand working for this person. Okay, I'm sorry that he's a jerk or she's a jerk. I'm sorry that that's the case, but it's not about them. It's about you. And are you showing respect, reverence, and sincerity of heart? See, this doesn't determine what they do. It doesn't matter what they do. It starts in my heart. And there is a heart change in the Christian who's walking out this life with humility and gentleness and patience, showing respect and unity and, 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 and caring about other people, putting up with one another in love, that I need to be different. So tomorrow, when you go to work, here's the challenge to you. Are you going to be different? 
When you go to work and you deal with that boss who is a jerk and you deal with those coworkers who are also jerks and it's always everybody else, it's not ever you, are you going to show respect, reverence, and sincerity of heart? Well, that's the first thing that he says. Not demanding, not argumentative, not critical, not sarcastic, not backbiting, not undermining. Respect, reverence, and sincerity of heart. Now, why would I ever do this? Well, this is Paul's next point. Because there is a higher master. There's a right heart. My heart is changed. And the reason it changes and my attitude changes is because there's a higher master. It's not my boss that I'm concerned about. It's the one I'm really serving that I become concerned about. Maybe you've heard this phrase, work unto the Lord. That phrase is applicable when it comes to this, because you serve a higher master. Here's what Paul goes on to say. Slaves, I want you to, again, obey. Workers, obey your bosses. Employees, obey the business owner. Students, obey your teachers, athletes, your coach, with respect and reverence and sincerity of heart, as you would the Messiah. So that's the key. As you would Jesus himself. If it were Jesus standing there and not this jerk of a boss that you have, how would you relate? Would you show respect and reverence to Jesus? Well, if you would show respect and reverence to him, Paul's saying that I want you to show respect and reverence to the person who is in the authority over you. Not just under your master's eye as people pleasers, but as slaves of Jesus, doing God's will from the soul. The word slaves is also translated bondservant or servants. Serve Jesus in whatever capacity you're in. As you would do this to Jesus, treat others the same way. Not as people pleasers. What does that mean? Not as kiss-ups. Not, not as doing it so that you'll be noticed and you'll get a promotion and you'll get more money and whatever it might be. You're just doing this because it's the right thing to do. So again, if you're a student and you have that teacher who you disagree with, I have a teenage son who's going to be a junior in high school. He's not in this room, so I'll say it this service and not next. And he seems to have teachers that are jerks. I don't know what it is about the school system, but it always seems to fall on him. Well, it's not him ever. It's always the teacher. No, that's not the case. It's you, son. Get your heart right. Get your attitude right as you approach them. They're not going to be perfect. So students... You serve that teacher as you would do Jesus. You serve that coach as you would do Jesus. You respect and revere as you would. Because you don't work for them. You work for him. So tomorrow, if you're a a coal miner, when you go to the coal mine, you're not working for the coal mine. You're working for Jesus. And that's where he has you planted today. If you're a nurse, you're not working for the hospital system or the doctor's office. You are working for Jesus, and that is the particular place that you're planted today. If you're a teacher, you're not working for the school district. God has you in that place today because that's where he wants you right now. And so you don't work for them. You work for the Lord. If you're a business owner... It's not about profits in the bottom line. You are there as a representative of Jesus. That's what you're doing tomorrow. I work for him. 
you're a garbage collector, a sanitation engineer, you're picking up garbage not because it's, it's a job that you don't want to do. You're picking up garbage because this is where God has me planted and this is what he has called me to do and I work for him. There is a higher master. Number three, third thing Paul says is here's another reason why we do this. Because you, your heart's changed. You have a higher master and there is a greater reward. What is the reward we get when we go to work? You get a paycheck. Maybe get money put in your retirement account. Maybe get a few benefits, some medical benefits, whatever it might be. You get those things. That's your reward for the work that you do. It's an exchange, a contract that you have made with your employer. That's not the way it works with God. You're not working for a paycheck with him. There is a greater reward with God than there ever is for an employee because God sees how you work. He sees your attitude. He sees your approach to life. Paul says this. So he, so he goes on. He says, serve with a positive attitude as to the Lord and not to men. You have a positive attitude when you go to work? Just, just asking. Knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether you are slave or free. Because God sees. So there is a greater reward that happens. You go to a place that maybe you don't like, but you go with a positive attitude. You go showing respect. You go showing reverence. You work as unto the Lord. I'm not here for the coal mine. I'm here for God. And this is where he has put me. And so I'm going to work with all my heart for him. And why do I do that? Because he sees and if I do that for him, I will receive back from the Lord. Now, what am I going to receive back? Well, all kinds of blessings seem to come out of working right. Sometimes there are financial blessings that happen. Sometimes there's recognition. Sometimes there's bonuses. Sometimes there's promotions. But really, the benefit is peace of mind and heart. You can sleep well. You can sleep with peace. You can sleep with a right heart because you know, I have worked for God today. I made a difference for him. Do you know that another reward that happens is other people take notice and you become a positive influence in that place for the Lord. You may not think you are, but you are if you are working for him. If you are a teacher, you have an impact upon the kids around you. If you are a coal miner, you have an impact upon everybody else who is negative and whining. You can influence them in a positive way. There is a blessing that happens when you say, God, I will work for you. There is a greater reward. Finally, the final thing is there is also a better way. And this is what he's going to end with. And he's going to switch gears now and switch to masters. So he says to slaves, I want you slaves. I want you in our modern culture, workers, employees, students, athletes, whatever you might be. I want you to have the right heart, knowing that you're serving the Lord, that the Lord sees and that he will bless you. 
But if you are the business owner, if you're the employer, if you're, in this particular case, the master, he's going to say there's a better way. So this is going to apply if you're the one in charge. And here's what Paul says. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. What does he mean by that? Well, respect and reverence with sincerity of heart. You treat your people that way as well. Stop using threats. Have you ever done that if you're an employer? <laughs> you ever threatened your employees? Threatened them in some particular manner? You may have been that employee that got threatened, but maybe you're the employer. Maybe you're the boss. Maybe you're the manager. Stop using threats. Knowing that the master, that's God, of them and of you too is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. So, what does this all mean? Well, slaves, you serve the Lord. You come underneath and you help that person. You work in that situation. You do it for God and not for people. You don't worry about being a people pleaser and a suck up. You are doing it because God has done that in your heart. And if you're the employer, you do the same thing. You treat your employees well. You manage them well. You treat them well. You don't threaten them. Instead, you show sincerity and value in their lives. Now, we have in the Bible one of the best examples of this. There's a little book in the Bible. It's a little single letter, and it's called the letter to Philemon. Maybe you've seen that in your Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's in toward the back of the New Testament, and it's Paul's personal letter to a person by the name of Philemon. Philemon had a, had a slave in his household. Onesimus was the guy's name. Now, Onesimus was in this home, and apparently he stole something out of the home, and he left the region, and he wound up in Rome, trying to hide among the bustle of the crowds there in Rome. Well, Onesimus came across Paul. As he came across Paul, he got saved. He accepted Jesus into his life. And Paul said to him, you need to go back home and you need to make amends. And you need to serve the Lord in that capacity in the home. Now, Onesimus would have been fearful to do that. What is this guy? Is he going to murder me? Is he going to kill me? How, what's going to happen as I go back there? Don't worry about it, Onesimus. You just do the right thing. You go back, you make amends, you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. In the meantime, Philemon, who was the master of the home, to which the church in the Philippians, the Philippian church, met in that home. Philemon, he also got saved. And as he got saved, Paul gave specific instructions to him. In this letter. And the instructions were receive him back as if you were receiving me. And you love him as if you were loving me. And you show him forgiveness and grace the same way that God showed you forgiveness and grace. When that happened, when the slave went back and Philemon received him, the, the, we don't know the final outcome other than we can assume everything was reconciled and amended. 
And you had two people who were doing exactly what Paul had said. Show respect and reverence with sincerity of heart as you would the Messiah. Why do we do that? Because he's changed your heart. Because there's a higher master that you're serving. Because there's a greater reward and there is a better way of living out life. Today's challenge to you is this. Everything we do, we do for the Lord. When you go to work tomorrow, you're not working for the company. You're not working for the school district. You're not working for the employer. You're working for the Lord. As you go, you have the right heart and the right attitude. As you have the right attitude, knowing that you're serving the Lord, the Lord sees that. It doesn't mean that life is going to get easy. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult and challenging. It means that God sees and God's reward is greater than any financial compensation that you could possibly receive. This is what God's way is. Two people, whether it's in marriage, in parenting, or in work, that say, I want to do what's right in God's eyes. We're going to close with a word of prayer here today. And I hope that as you go about your days, as you go about your weeks, as, you, as our kids are looking at going back to school, which I know is, for some, it's kind of dreading that going back to school, but God has you in a particular place at a particular moment to use you for his kingdom's sake. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray for our hearts and attitudes, and I know, Lord, for many that this is just convicting because this has not been the way that it's been in their work. For some, maybe they've dreaded. It's an obligation. It's a sense of duty. I don't want to do this. I hate going to work. I don't like my boss. I don't like who I have to work with. Maybe that's been their attitude. And today, Lord, maybe it's time for them to say, wait a second, maybe the problem is me. Maybe it's me. Lord, please change my attitude. Please change my heart. Instead of making this a have to, make this a want to. Make this a privilege instead of a sense of duty. That, Lord, I have the ability to work on your behalf no matter where you plant me. I could make a difference for you. Help me to be a positive influence upon others because of serving you. Lord, I work for you, and you see it, and you will reward when I follow and surrender to you. So Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to have the right heart, the right attitude, the right mindset as we go about this next week and the weeks to come. Father, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for your word that is practical and applicable to our lives today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today and look forward to seeing you back here next week. And then we will get into the section on stand as we kick off in the fall. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you next time. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. 
Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.